Welcome to the 9642 Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is The Fool. Hello, everyone. We are back to our regular bread and butter, the actual football or soccer, <laughs> as some of our fans like to call it. And most specifically, Premier League and Champions League and a little bit of Syria. Just a bit. So I think it's been a very eventful first three rounds of the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. I think absolutely thrilling. Like, I could not, like, I stayed up to watch games and actually managed to stay up without falling asleep, which at my age is, like, a huge accomplishment. That is massive. No, it's been a crazy start, I think. It's been some super awesome games, upsets, previous giants, I guess you call Arsenal, failing to look anywhere close to being, like, an actual football team. Yeah. Red cards... Controversy. Yeah. Big name signings. Yeah. Last yeah. minute big name signings even. Like it's crazy. I think it's a good point you bring up. Like looking at the signings, obviously there's three big ones I kinda wanna talk about. A Romelu Lukaku, the prodigal son, returns back to Chelsea. Ooh, ooh, yeah. The team the team that first took a punt on him and then didn't play him at all. The team he, he shunned because we wouldn't play him. He was like, you know what? Screw you guys, I'm out of here. And at the time, I was yeah. like, that's the right move, Lukaku. Like, really, if we're not going to play you, you may as well go. Like, I'm sad that you left at that time. Yes. But, but yes, as you say, finally he's back. And looking like he should have always been here. See, when Lukaku was kind of on the market and people were wondering whether he, where he was going to go, there were some rumors that he might have gone to City. There, <laughs> but I feel because there was City, we knew City were in the hunt for a striker. Uh, Obviously, everybody and their mum was thinking it was going to be Harry Kane. Yeah. But as it turned out, Tottenham knows how to play hardball, or Daniel Levy knows how to play hardball. Kane has stayed in City, and Guardiola has gone, I don't need a striker, it's all good. Which is exactly what you expect him to say at this point. Exactly. Which, to be fair, they basically didn't have a striker last season, and they yeah, yeah. won this. So, but looking at that, I think we all agreed that if City had managed to obtain Harry Kane, the race was over. I, yeah. There was no... We weren't even being facetious about that. Like, no team had the firepower or depth to handle City at that point. So if even if they'd gotten Lukaku, that would have been a goals, but I don't think Lukaku's style of play suits City. No, I don't. It really suits Chelsea, and I think it's been great that Chelsea managed to get him. Like it, I think getting Lukaku turned Chelsea into co-favorites to win the league yeah. with City at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, he's Lukaku's come in and just shown why he's worth the money we spent on him. He's, he's yeah. looked good in the two games he's played. Um, Scored a goal in his debut, like it's, and he's just bossed around defense so much. It's just been so good having a, a striker like that. It's been good. I mean, no disrespect to previous strikers. You know, Tammy Abraham was really good, but young. Um, yes. So I hope he's. I see he's off. He's off to our friend Mourinho, off to Roma. So hopefully he does well there as well, and maybe we can have another prodigal son returning in the not too distant future. Because I like Abraham, so I hope he does come back at some point. Um, but Lukaku, like. Lukaku is Lukaku. Like, yeah, exactly. 
And the other point I think here is that uh, once the uh, once Lukaku went to Chelsea, I thought United, especially look after their first two games, were gonna struggle to make a top, uh, make it in the top four. Like they were gonna fight with Leicester, Liverpool, a very good-looking Spurs. Um, good and yeah. potentially at that point, I still thought Arsenal were a threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know. This is like I did not have the benefit of hindsight. Like, forgive me. Yeah, yeah. That's. I don't think any of us really were expecting this Arsenal to show up. So now I can see why you thought they were a threat at the time. That being said, the uh, but I still thought United were favourites to finish their uh, to make a top four spot, but I thought they would struggle for it. Um, mm. But the moment we had the breakout news of the last week, and I think it is the breakout news of the last week of the transfer window, is when Ronaldo went to uh, United. And I think, yeah. even though I think nobody thought United needed another forward, and the rumor is that United are still going to try and get um, Haaland next season, with Ronaldo being there, because they yeah, want yeah. to have a young core of attackers. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I but, suppose. Uh, my. Yeah, I I feel like that's a bit greedy, but sure, I'm not gonna <laughs> look a gift horse in the mouth. No, so to speak. Way. So Ronaldo was te- thinking about going to City, which I never thought was gonna happen. I always thought that was basically Ronaldo's way of saying, "Come on, United." You know, you want to bid for me because he was offered to United at the beginning of the season and United were kind of like, I don't know if we can afford you. Yeah, yeah. As it is, it turned out playing that way. It's ended up pretty well for everybody not named Manchester City because they have ended up without a striker. Yeah. United ended up with Ronaldo. Chelsea's ended up with Lukaku. So I believe now City not... Not only do they have a genuine contender in Chelsea that's going to compete with them, I think United are also competing against them for like th- those top two positions are between those three teams, and it's yeah, a yeah. strong competition. Like I think yeah, City are just ahead, but only just. Like I don't think they're runaway favorites anymore. No, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I think it's um those final two signings or big signings really just really flipped everything around and suddenly there was a yeah a lot more um interest i guess with, yeah yeah united being a, a you say being getting ronaldo in is definitely a a title contender right there chelsea we were looking goodish needed a bit of something but i, I felt like yeah we were getting lukaku or harland or someone like that in and ended up being lukaku which was good and he's proven that he was probably the best choice anyway so that yeah. works and and that's really plugged the main gap. And our defensive... Without, I thought we needed another defender in there, but so far this season, the defensive um, structure seems to be working well. Um, I don't think there's an issue with Chelsea's defensive structure, as per se, but I think there's an issue potentially with squad depth. Yeah. And that's my only... That would be my only concern if I were a Chelsea fan. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. It's a long campaign. They're going to be playing in Europe. They're going to be playing in the Cup. They need the bodies to compete with City and United on all three fronts. Because I think yeah. 
Chelsea want to compete with City and United on all three in all fronts, not just be like let's compete, let's focus on a cup or focus on a on Europe. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. We want to be there to to do it all, basically. But um, yeah, and uh, so it's yeah, perhaps not the structure, and it's not really the personnel. And we've got some good players. It's, it's the experience and the depth. I think is more yeah the issue. Like there's some depth there, but there's a lot of youth in that younger players in that depth. So yeah, they've been playing a few seasons now. Like Christensen's in his third, fourth, yeah, fourth season. As a, I think as a first Chelsea have so. Chelsea and United. I think have like a lot of the best of young and old because you, if you look mm. at it, Chelsea have players like as you said, Christian Pulisic and Marcus Rashford, who have been playing at the top level. You know, this is his is going to be his second season. I want to say at the Premiership. Would that be right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Second for him. And also, like you know, United have someone like uh, Marcus Rashford, who is um, who's almost got veteran-like stats in terms of how long he's been playing and yeah. you know, what he's done so far in his career. Yeah. Exactly. You've got that side of things for both Chelsea uh, Chelsea and United and like even Mason Greenwood this is his third season and he's not even 20 yet (laughs) oh that's crazy and like it I shudder to think what he's gonna do after he's had a season with Ronaldo teaching him yeah yeah that's a good point actually that's gonna be amazing like that is what we're like obviously we're all happy that Ronaldo's back like uh, United fans will always claim this but I think it's true that like as much as uh, everybody respects Ronaldo United is the club where he's loved you know what I mean like there's no like we forgive Cristiano Ronaldo anything yeah that is very true I think you're right it's like that is the place that the fans would say like, is his home. United doesn't want Cristiano because his status or like, you know, he makes the club become a superstar thing and all like and that's not a bad reason to buy a to buy a player, by the way. I'm not criticizing no, a no. club for doing that. But it's like United want Cristiano because they love Cristiano. That's not a the fans yeah, yeah. Are, I don't know, I can't speak for Ed Woodward or anyone like that, but you know. Yeah. I did like the the story that came out about why he signed, or well, how he ended up signing for United, which was, was yeah, say Juve were wanting, they needed the money, so the, his agent was shopping him around because Juve was like, I guess you'll stay if you can't be shopped around, but you know, we're not going to pay you very well in the end, so if you want to go somewhere where there's actual players and stuff, yeah. he said they got offered to United back in May, June, whenever it was. You know, we're like, yeah, nah, not at the moment, too expensive, like. And then the agent working double time, especially once Messi had moved. And then he sort of went to PSG and like, hey, want Ronaldo too? You know? Yeah, you're getting rid of Mbappe. You could swap. You know, you get rid of him. Ronaldo's there. And went to Real like, hey, I hear you're interested in Mbappe. If PSG don't sign him, got Ronaldo. And same, that's why they went to City as well. Like, hey, heard you're interested in Mbappe. They don't sign, don't sell. Ronaldo. And then 
like to... don't get me wrong i would have loved it if also if he had gone to psg because we all want to oh. see united and we want to see ronaldo and messi that would have been in the same great. team finally but yeah then um who was it? One of the United ex United players was like heard this and rang up Ronaldo and I'm like, what the hell's going on? City? What? What's, you can't go to Man City. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Hey, agent, go talk to United as well again. They're like, but he turned you down. No, no, now it's okay. And then United's like, yeah, no, you're not going to City. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to City. Right. <laughs> go to United now. We got it all sorted. Yeah, that's pretty much how it worked. Yeah, I just love how it all works. In the end, it was just like. It was more of a status thing for United. Like, you can't sign for City. No matter what, we're signing you. Well, it's both the status thing and, like, you know, what would it say about United? Like, one of yeah, the yeah. greatest ever players just went to their rival. Like, not when, not when, like, Dennis Law, when he couldn't find a club and after he left United, uh, you know, after he, his United career was over, it's like at his peak, you know? Like, yeah, still, yeah, exactly. still one of the best players in the world. Exactly. No, you're right. It just would have been, been crazy if he'd gone to City. Like, it's just, that was just never happening, really. Yeah. This is the thing. You never know if a player will work in the Premier League. Because I don't think anyone will argue Shevchenko, Crespo are not gun players. You can no. argue about Matija Kesman. Because yeah, he was yeah. like a one-season wonder in Spain and then went to Chelsea and was like kind of found out. Yeah, but yeah, there's like I think now with the way scouting is done, it's you're less likely to buy a dud player. But yeah, even someone like Jaden Sancho, until we see him play in the Premier League, we don't know how well he's going to do. But United have kind of covered themselves in that position because they have Cristiano. Yeah, yeah. To be playing on the right if need be. That's actually it makes it even smarter those two purchases like yeah because you got the youth and the experience and so you can cover yourself and get you know Sancho can get that experience and and yeah. learn from Ronaldo and get some game time even and, Rashford who's a veteran can learn from Ronaldo I think I think it's about anybody could learn from Ronaldo at the moment but yeah, yeah. um such good form. Absolutely, and he's just such a good player, like work ethic and everything else, training yeah. and like attitude. Now, and the other side is that, like, yeah, Varane, I'm, I'm hundred, I'm almost ninety percent sure he's going to be an incredible player in the Premier League. Yeah, but can't tell because he hasn't played in the Premier League. Yeah, you know, and. The and I think it works with him being like the ball playing, uh, uh, ball playing defender and Maguire being the hard, like you know, yeah, yeah. hard tackling defender, and yeah. they can actually play Maguire in the position that he's good at, which is the right center as opposed to the left center. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the other part of that is I think lots of people have been thinking this is the end of Victor Lindelof, but. I think we could see some surprises there. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer decided to try Victor Lindelof in that midfield pivot role, like by himself. Because he's actually a very good passer. He's not the best at 
defending, but like he doesn't need to be that good a defender if he's got Varane and Maguire behind him, if he's being that defensive mid. He just needs to be the pivot, and he needs to basically yeah. provide a screen for the uh, counter-attack. Yeah, yeah. He's just got to get... And that, yeah, and as long as he can occasionally win the ball and get a th- get the key pass in, like that's going to be job well done. And yeah. if he can do it by himself, then you know you can basically have Pogba and Bruno playing as the double number eights, and yeah, that's yeah. going to be what that's the that's the system that Solskjaer wants to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, if it doesn't work out and United are still competitive, like you know, it's like it's obvious that the team has problems, but you know, for some reason, because other teams are dropping points, United are still within two or three points of first place. Um, don't be surprised in January if they come in for a big buy and get a defensive mid. Uh, I don't think it'll be another Premier League player as much as I would like them to go for a player like Ruben Neves and Didi or Declan Rice. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I don't think any of those clubs will potentially sell a player. Neves, Wolves might sell Neves depending on where they're at. Maybe, At yeah. that point. But yeah. Uh, don't be surprised if United do that. Oh, uh, no. Um, it makes sense. And so, but that being said, I think that the, at the if we're going to look outside that top three of quote unquote top three of uh, United and uh, Chelsea and uh, Ma- Manchester City, who do you think is in pole position amongst the rest? Um, in my mind, it's still Sp- I think it's Spurs. Surprisingly, I have yeah. to look at them and go, "You guys have played the best football." I'm still waiting for you to Spurs it up. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's either going to be Spurs or Liverpool, I think. Like, Spurs are looking very unspursy to start with. Like, they're doing very well. I could see Spurs and Leicester get third and fourth. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm never going to count out Liverpool because they have a good manager. But I think, like, let's be honest, Nuno is a great manager. Yeah. Sure, he wasn't Spurs' first choice, or second choice, or third choice <laughs> to uh, to lead them. But he didn't care, and he just came in and went, yep, I'm going to prove that I should have been your first choice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this season, three from three, you know, you can't really argue with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, impressive people they've beaten, like City in that first game. Yeah, Though yeah. City technically just always lose at the <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, but overall, very impressive. Uh, and I think the team buy into his philosophy. He kind of knows what he's doing with that team. Like, I think the team bought into Pochettino. Yeah. But Pochettino, like, had been playing hard in this particular style. And the players were basically burnt out at that point. Yeah, yeah. And the and it's not that uh, at the moment the Nuno still has like new new manager syndrome if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, still just sort of finding his way into it, but also getting a bit of it's a bit of upbeatness as well. You know, getting new manager, yeah, like, yeah new stuff. But there's still sometimes can feel a bit. You can feel the rough edges because it hasn't quite all. 
yeah. work together yet to work out what's going on. But at the same time, everybody's still sort of trying their best to, to sort it out. Or to, to find he, that. I think he's still finding his best 11, which is kind of yeah. scary. Yeah. And to be fair, they didn't have Harry Kane through their uh, the last few games either. So that's also kind of ominous, because when he comes back, he's going to be incredible for yeah. them. And I assume Kane is going to be there for the rest of the season. They played against so, Watford, at least, so... So, yeah. he. Yeah. I can see that winning streak extending at least for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Liverpool have uh, managed to secure a lot of their g- uh, good players. Um, uh, like, Salah is going to get, I think, going to stay, and I think they've shown that they've fixed a lot of the issues in their forward line. But Liverpool's issue is all, is the issue I always have with the team in that I think the squad is thin. Yeah. It's a little good. They did have a... Um, through the first half against Chelsea in that last game, they were a bit... They didn't look particularly threatening. It wasn't until we lost our, um, lost our player, got the red card, that... They started looking a lot more um, ominous. Um, yeah, they might, might might get there. I mean, they always you always have that edge with Liverpool because they got a very good attacking line. Um, yeah. that they could just spring something from nothing, and they did have some good attacking lines in the first half as well. But yeah, it looked like Chelsea had them covered, um, which was good. But then you say red card, and that changed everything, and sort of gave. Well, I still think after the red card, Chelsea played really well. Yeah. Oh no, we defended. Ridiculously well, and perhaps should have had a, a couple of times there. We may have even been able to steal it, but um, yeah, 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 which would have been hilarious. But um, such is life. You say yeah, we pretty much really well, and and Liverpool can break it down. Down. I mean, they got close as well several times, but um, it wasn't until then that they started actually looking like an attacking threat. Really, the first half. Yeah. A few minor points here and there. They it was Chelsea running the game, and the second half was Liverpool running the game with Chelsea trying to attack on the counter. So. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah, they say that sort of makes it seem like Liverpool maybe aren't a ongoing threat, but they could upset the apple cart really of of who's going to get there by yes. fucking a win or two in the wrong places. I mean, they'll be close behind, but yeah. I sort of feel they're not going to be in contention this year. Yeah, but uh, now, the other team we would be remiss to talk about that I think are still in a contention for getting into that top four spot is West Ham United. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an impressive start from them too, and I think Moyes has kind of uh, figured out what he can do with this team. Yeah, and also I think Kurt Zuma is a very good buy. Oh yes, um, that's a that's sort of sad to see him cross across the city, but that is the um, the way of it. Yeah, that, that's and a super deal by West Ham, really. Yeah, I think it's a good deal. Like their forwards are all in form, and mm. they've still. I think they've managed to keep. Declan Rice, who it's going to be at least for this season, I think he's yeah, not yeah. going to leave in January, I don't think. So if uh, if they don't get injuries and people like Mark Noble and whatnot are still like you know they're experienced and 
they'll do the job for West Ham. Uh, yeah. Come rain or high water. And yeah, so I definitely think they're gonna. But I think the Europa Cup, Euro, uh, is gonna. You know, we've seen it, right? It happens every time. A, a mid-table team does really well and gets to the, uh, gets to the uh, Champions League, gets to a European spot, and then suddenly you're like, yeah, that's yeah. your, uh, that's your. Uh, uh, that's the floor, uh, you know. That's the height of the what pinnacle. you're gonna get to do because you uh, have no, uh, you know, you've got your squad's not deep enough to yeah, yeah. sustain anything more than this. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like it stretches their their resources um, yeah. a little bit too far, and yeah, I do agree. I think West Ham perhaps is. A little bit better than that, and has a little bit more. And being a London club as well, like they can um, perhaps finance it a bit better. And Kurt yeah. Zoom is sort of a, a sign of that. Like that's um, that's looking good in in terms of getting good players in to help them. Yeah. Through gives them something. Um, so definite. Um, Experience, depth, and skill. Like it's it's a, a great signing, and it's a great move by Zuma as well because he was always going to yeah. struggle on the Chelsea back three. Um, yep. To get regular playing time, and now he's like, oh, I get regular playing time. So. Pretty much, I think. Yeah. It seemed like a deal that was good for everyone, until you know it wasn't. <laughs> if that makes sense. Sort of. Like it looked like a great deal for Chelsea. Like they were, you know, player wasn't gonna take, wasn't gonna get much game time, and they, you know, managed to sell him for a useful fee. And he, yeah, just they ended up not getting the player they needed yeah. to cover that position. There is that, I suppose. But that's yeah. And I think we still have the depth there. At least to cover for the first half of the season. Yeah. Like it's as long as it's not too like we could probably cover one, maybe two injuries through the back five. Yes. Um, but not a lot more. So, I mean we've got Chilwell still. Um though he's uh he's on the left with Alonso. Um, yeah. Yeah, as Laqueta covers center as well as um Right wing, right wing back or right back. We've still got, um, Christensen. Christensen there. He's playing. We've got, um, the new boy. His name is just escaping me. Um, yeah, we've got a civil there. I mean, if we get two injuries through the back, we're pro- Probably going to be a bit more struggling to to cover it all, um, but at the same time, it's not. Oh, Trevor um, Chabala, that's who I was thinking of. Badly, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got the Otero Silver as well. Like, yeah. It's it's not like it's. It's not hopeless. Like I said, not I still hopeless, think yeah. Chelsea's finishing in the top two, but I think yeah. 
if they lose, if they come second with one or two points behind, they'll look at that, you know, that uh, deal and go, yeah, that was kind of maybe where we lost out this season by not having enough squad depth in our defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just going to be one of those things that either it'll be fine and nothing will come, you know, won't thing, or say if we've get a couple of injuries, um, especially in the next few weeks or also this international window or something, then it's just going to be, then it's going to be painful. Um, yes. But it's, it is trusting a bit to luck. Yeah. I agree. Uh, but that being said, I think Chelsea still had a pretty good window, despite all that. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, there. But I think, like I said, West Ham, I think will probably finish 6th or 7th this season, based on how they've done in this season. I just think that Leicester and um, Spurs have a bit too much quality. And I think that's not unfair. And Liverpool too, for that matter, by the way. I don't think Liverpool are going to finish below West Ham. Um, No. And that's what it looks like to me in the top 7. That being said, also... Everton could come in and spoil the party. Oh yeah, there's always like, Everton. I, and like we should not underestimate the uh, the underrated genius that is Rafa Benitez. Oh yes, definitely. And and like Everton been looking very good as well. They looked very solid. They looked um, they looked very good at home as well, and they looked very solid. And then. Like you expect from Everton side, like coming from behind in games, um, and, and yeah, looking very much like a very solid and very dangerous Everton side should, which yeah, means I... that it's going to be hard playing them, and they will pick up points, and they'll be there and thereabouts as well, as you say. And who knows with them, you know, they get on a roll, they will be very yeah. dangerous, and they are on a roll. I mean. They haven't lost yet, you know, yeah. in the draw, so... And I think, yeah, Richarlison is a dangerous player in oh, any definitely. team. Very much so. You have to really, you know, watch out for him, because he will score if you leave him free. Yes. With that being said, I hadn't a thought. I know that you, Chelsea traditionally value a more... Atta- at least the fans value mm. a more attacking um, manager, but... I've like noticed a trend. I feel like Chelsea is more successful when they have a more defensive-minded manager. Not necessarily somebody who's going to park the bus all the time. Like, obviously, I'm not saying you guys should get Sam Allardyce or <laughs> Tony Pulis, but, uh, for that matter. Like, uh, but you know, like if I think about post Abramovich, that is, yeah, the the managers that have been the most successful for. Uh, Chelsea have been people like, obviously Mourinho and yeah. uh, Rafa Benitez, yeah, um, Conte, yeah. Whereas your more attacking managers, like when you guys have tried to force the more attacking style managers, like Sari, even like other than Ancelotti, who is an attacking manager, but he's very pragmatic for an attacking manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I count. Ancelotti is a successful manager because he won the league, um, and he won the league against Fergie. So you know that's worth yeah, yeah. something. Definitely. 
yeah, other than Ancelotti, I can't, like, uh, for example, AVB had a terrible time. Oh, and, he, and he was basically supposed to be your, like, you know, change the style to be a more attacking kind of manager who, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, plays an attractive style, etc., etc. Almost the anti-Mourinho, if that's yeah. not unfair. And no, no, it then, was definitely something that was um, marketed that way. Yeah. Like he, was, he was coming in, he was going to be a more attacking manager, you know, change, you know, breath of fresh air for Chelsea, change the culture, we're going to drive forward and attack and free-flowing football, and then it all fell apart, pretty much straight yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah, and it's definitely true. And I think a little bit of that is just... It's just the way Chelsea plays football. Is like the players have always been that way, and when you've got a, you you need a manager that you say is defensive minded, not not a defensive manager, just defensive yeah. minded. I, I or think... at least somebody who organizes from the back first, you know, uh, like Tuchel. Yeah, like Tuchel. Like Mourinho was the perfect manager for us. That was, other than him sometimes perhaps having his ego get in the way all the time. Um, but that was his philosophy, right? You, had, you built solid defence and you, you built forward out of that. And your midfield ran back and you had to get back, get in behind the ball, stop some other defences, get the ball, flow forward from there. And you have a solid base and the attackers spring from that and, and you get your flow that way. And it did require faster moving ball sometimes than some of the signings managed, but... Um, it was a successful formula, and I feel that the managers that are closer to that philosophy seem to be doing better, and it, it works better with the players that are at Chelsea. So it seems to be that the players we buy and the players that we grow fit into that mould better of have a solid defence and, and, and push forward from that. And the defensive line is, is, is your solid backbone, and it pushes up um, and, and pushes the attack from there. Yeah, I, and I had a theory about it. I think it's easier for a club to design a defensive team than it is to design a team with a philosophy. Like, Manchester City effectively spent maybe a decade uh, designing a team that Pep Guardiola would be interested in managing. And even then, <laughs> Pep Guardiola had to buy a lot of players to get it into the Pep mold, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense. And only City can do that. Like, they have that money. Yeah, exactly. Like, and the, like, that idea is kind of un, is not at all sustainable for any other club. You know what you're facing if you're trying to do the attacking thing. Versus if you are, if you're going to be, uh, if building a team from the back is relatively easier to do. The players just have to buy into the uh, defensive philosophy and learn it. Yeah. And obviously, sure. Pep has a very complicated defensive philosophy. I'm not saying defense is automatically easier than offense no, no. Uh, in football, but there are, you know, there are simple ways to be like, we'll be organized at the back. We won't let in too many goals, and we'll do these these things, which will allow us to work in these particular ways. And it's, you know, there's a reason why it exists. We all know what a manager can do. I think also that that's sort of the almost not quite default setting, but you know the standard way that most people would play football. 
Yeah, and also I think because Chelsea has so many players, like from their loan system and their academy, yeah, there is like, like when you think about it, there is a huge amount of defensive talent available to any manager who comes in. Yeah, to Chelsea. So you have a wide variety of defenders, unless you're trying to do something really special, like you need a goalkeeper who will play at the ball, like uh, Allison, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, then obviously you need to do what Pep Guardiola did to Joe Hart. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, most managers don't necessarily need something that specific. They're happy yeah, yeah. to have a goalkeeper who is solid and will not concede easy goals and is like, you know, knows where his positioning is and doesn't have too many flaws. Like, that's good enough for them. Yeah, yeah. Conte needed to have wing backs, but Chelsea had enough players that he could substitute some wing backs. He just needed to get like Alonso. Yeah, yeah. And like he didn't ask for anything like more than Alonso as per se until he won the first season. Yeah. It's more difficult if he had wanted to be like, yeah, I need I need to have a number ten, and I need because that's already like a num you know a seventy million dollar player or a hundred million dollar player. Right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's like, I think, Lampard's issue. Like, and it's also harder to gel an offense, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. worst case scenario for a defense, you just go, okay, guys, we'll just double team. Like, yeah, Gary Neville said it. Like, there were times when if they felt like, you know, the offense was going hard, he'd just tell David Beckham to, like, double team with him on the right yeah, flank. Yeah. And, like, they knew Giggsy would obviously keep attacking, so it was fine. Yeah, yeah. And he said, and it worked really well for him when David Beckham was there. Like, obviously, David Beckham's his best friend. Like, he was, yeah, yeah, David yeah. Beckham was the best man at his wedding. So they, and vice versa. Yeah. They obviously got along really well. He said that when he went to, uh, like, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't do any defending. But he also said that, but, you know, he also didn't, I didn't need to do any attacking yeah, with yeah. him and the team. Like, he took care of it all. So I can't, he's like, so I couldn't really, I can't really complain. Like, you know, <laughs> he did his shit, like he did 100% of the offense. I could just focus on defending. Yeah. I suppose it's the other way around for it. Either, you know, you're sharing and then you're communicating and working together really well. Or it's like, you've got one guy's like, he's just doing it all. It's like, cool. I'll just concentrate on my bit then, right? I'll just yeah. make sure this, this side shut down. I don't, I know you're not going to get back, but at the same time, I don't need to go forward. So it'll work. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, the defending side of it can come easier, and you know, yeah, and you can get midfielders to come in and help you, whatnot. So if you have a, if you have a manager who has very solid ideas about how his defense, should, you know, how the team should play without the ball, uh, that's something that any team can learn easier, rather yeah, yeah. than learning a really difficult, like because Pep's system is complex. Like, it's not a, uh, it's not straightforward by any stretch of the imagination, like. No, it's, it's, it's a pip. Yeah. Thing, right? It's pip. Things. Yeah. Like, so, like, basically what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, despite everybody compl- saying, you know, City buys the title, blah, 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 what they've accomplished or what Pep's accomplished at City is not easy to do. Like, that's an incredible thing oh, that the club has accomplished in that yeah. time. And I say that as a United fan. Yeah, like, no, I think Chelsea has tried so many times, and 
one could argue Chelsea is the best run club in British football. Yeah, yeah. And even they haven't succeeded at doing that. No, exactly. And I guess part of that you need someone like Pep to, to do it. But, I mean, we've had really good managers as well and yeah. uh, really good systems. And But I guess sometimes you need a bit of luck. But I think the value of Chelsea's way is that they are more ruthless. Like, City has literally let every single one of their managers see out their contract. Yeah. Like, uh, including Mancini and, like... If Mancini had done what he had done at uh, City, at Manchester United, he would still have a job at United. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. Like, nobody would kick him out. Everybody would be like, look look at what he's done for the club. How can you even think about getting rid of him? Like, you know, there'd be riots if you tried to get rid of (laughs) someone like Roberto Mancini for what he's done. Uh, And Mancini's a good manager. He just won the Euros. So... I'm not in any way casting aspersions on his talent. He's like, you know, I respect his abilities. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, there was a, it was clear to most people, I think, that his time at City was over. And, you know, the owners did the right thing by you know, letting him go when he did. Like, yeah. not re-signing him when he, they did. And ditto with uh, Pellegrini, because they were going to have uh, Guardiola. In the end, they just stayed patient and did it. But that that lack of ruthlessness, like it's paid off in the end. But they're the only people who have the money to just let it be, like you know, yeah, no, almost actually. like almost like they're the only people who have the money, and also like their their ego is not going to be damaged by not winning stuff for a few years. Yeah, I think that's the big bit. Is that there is an appetite, I guess, or a willingness to accepts some rebuilding years, rebuilding being in quotation marks for City. Yeah. Um, where things perhaps aren't aren't as great as they may have been. And it's like, well, we've got to, especially new managers in, like, this new manager, we can't expect anything. Give them some time, we'll be okay. And then they normally are. Um, so I think that's a bit of it as well. Like, they're given the space for it. At Manchester City also knew the kind of players they wanted to buy and how they wanted to develop the players in their youth system. Yeah. So, like, City are basically Cruyff's Barcelona 2.0 or Cruyff slash Guardiola's Barcelona 2.0. Like, literally every team <laughs> in the system is designed to create players that could slot into the City team if the City team needed them to. Um, yeah. It just so happens that they haven't needed them to. Yeah, exactly. But yes, I know what you mean. Like they, they have all the depth because they could. They have lots of people that know the system. Yes. Um, just the, design the system and then made sure that everybody's there. Is like this is what the system is. This is if we need to, we'll step up and we can do our part. And so therefore, yeah. you know, even when they're losing players for in, injury left right centre, they're still a threat. Yeah. This is the thing, that ruthlessness, though City don't do it the same way, like they're less ruthless, they're still a bit ruthless. And I think yeah. that's the problem with Arsenal, right? They're yeah. not ruthless enough, and they're also bad. When they are ruthless, they do it badly. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's evident to everyone now, Arsene Wenger was not the problem at Arsenal. No. Like, I think... But if you could 
criticize anything, it's that he probably masked over a lot of the problems that Arsenal had as a club in their structure, and it and it, he shielded the board from that criticism. Yeah, yeah, not for me. By doing as well as he did. Yeah. So in a way, it's not even his fault. Like you know. No. He was too good for them in the he's end. He's too good for them in the end. I agree. Like, and uh, I don't care what any Arsenal fans says. And like people kept, I know so many Arsenal fans who kept complaining and like begging for him to be let, uh, you know, wanting him to be gone and take like maybe yeah. Arsene for his own sake should have left the club at uh, when they won the FA Cup. Oh yeah, yeah. So he could have left on a trophy. Uh, Instead of trying to stay on, um, but you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I don't blame him for trying to t- fix as much, because he loves Arsenal. Nobody can yeah. say he doesn't bleed for Arsenal, right? Yeah, no, he definitely bleeds Arsenal all the way and through. He wanted to try his best, and he rated himself, and I don't blame him because he's a bloody legend. Yeah, I mean, even we back then were saying that perhaps he'd been around too long, and it was he was. Uh, it was holding things back, and then he needed to go. But you say hindsight being twenty twenty, you look at it and go, okay, yeah, it definitely wasn't Wenger that was the winger that was the problem. Like Arsene was making things better than what they actually were. There was a much deeper problem going on at Arsenal, yeah. which is hasn't been solved and still yeah. continues. Oh, hundred percent, and it'll yeah. it won't be solved because I think the people who caused those problems are still there, and like you know. And there, there's no appetite amongst the ownership at Arsenal to fix the problem, right? It, it, if, no. if there was, it would have already been fixed. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think I'm putting too fine a point of it if, when I say that I think uh, Kroenke is the worst owner in all of sports. No, not just soccer, but like, you know, every sports club he owns. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, um, so he's the worst type of owner any club can ask for. Um, like with the Glaziers, you can I can give them crap for being greedy because they take dividends, but they're not stingy. You know what I mean? They do spend money. If that yeah. you know if that makes sense, like they they are not. Uh, uh, yes, they take money from the club, but they do. The club generates so much money that, uh, and they do spend a lot of that money. Yeah, yeah. Try and get them into the position to win big trophies and increase the value of the club. I can argue that they do it terribly, <laughs> but they don't. They don't uh, not do it. No, exactly. They do do it, and you say they. I think each season, United have spent a reasonable amount of money each transfer yes. window buying in players that they generally somewhat need. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can't say that... You say, as you say, they, you can't say that the Glaziers aren't having money available for transfers. Yes. Um, whilst yeah, you, Arsenal, on the other hand, uh, just... Yes. Who knows who they're buying sometimes? And I think, think like... Like, Spurs are ruthless. Like, yeah. and that's kind of why I think Spurs are in a better position than Arsenal are right now. 
like they openly like courted a bunch of other managers before taking Nuno and Nuno still went to them and like they know they're yeah. going to and we we I rate Nuno I think he's going to do a great job at Spurs if he stays there and manages to get his system in place yeah. and as I said the players look like they are buying into what he's trying to get them to do so that's going to obviously make things a lot easier for him yeah that that definitely makes it easier when the players are on board with it, as you say, and it definitely looks, and it's working as well, so. Yeah. Um, well, so far, um, which definitely helps. And I think even, you know, having a good start to a season does a lot more for allowing you to to extend through, even if you have some troubles later on the season, um, generally, especially early on in a managerial career. Yeah. The... Is Arsenal's problems even fixable now? Like, I feel like... Okay, if we look at their current oh, predicament, what's happened to Arsenal? They lost their first game at Brentford, and they were bullied by Brentford. I watched that game. I couldn't stop watching just because Brentford were playing such an exhilarating style of football. Yeah. And it was amazing seeing fans back at the stadium and singing. Like, that was great, you know? It was great. And the yeah. whole thing was, like, these fans, they've come up to the Premiership. They've got a brand new stadium that they finally get to use and, you know, and be there yeah. and uh, be there for the first time. And, like, you know, and it's a potential big scalp. Like, Arsenal are still a big club, but they're beatable. And yeah, exactly. so they're all excited and they're cheering their team on. So that can happen. You can lose those games. And Arsenal didn't play too badly then. They were just bullied. So there was a yeah. lot of things where I just went, okay, Arteta was... Be I see what Arteta's trying to do here. The players just couldn't execute it. Yeah. I don't think he was necessarily being naive. Because I think if they want to get the best out of Ben White, they need to have uh, Gab, uh, Gabriel. Yes. Uh, but without Gabriel, they become like a team that's just going to leak goals, I think. Without, uh, It's going to be very tough for them. So then they went to, so they Champions. played Premier League champions and then champions of Europe. Okay. So two yeah. teams that they're going to lose to. But, you know, they were absolutely outplayed in every, like, that's when I think Arteta just didn't know what he was, what, what he was doing. Players don't buy into his thing and also doesn't seem to know the right tactics to use against, like, Tuchel basically walked, ran circles around him. I oh, think. Easily. It was, it was. I felt I watched that game and felt embarrassed for Arsenal. Yeah, like, I agree. Like that was embarrassing. And then yeah, the game at City. And like, City, let's not even like City. We know if if a team is even half vulnerable, City have the sort of team that will just destroy you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt we we were too nice to Arsenal. Like yeah, I agree. Took the, took the foot off the the throat big time. Just cruised through the second half. Yeah. Well, yeah. Clearly, City was like, nah. We're getting all the goals we can out of this one. Dear God. Yeah, and City, I think uh, Arsenal just had no answer, and there was like no fight. So their yeah. next game, because they're playing, I think I looked up Arsenal's next few games. They they've got Norwich in their next game, and that's a, that's yeah. almost a relegation six pointer game now. Yeah. Like I'm not being unkind to Arsenal. They're at the bottom of the league. And this is a game that uh, I think uh, Norwich are going to Norwich are going to uh, going to target them, and yeah. then they've got a game against Burnley uh, at Burnley, which is no easy feat. No. And Burnley also are going to treat this like a six-pointer. Like the, Arsenal is a team that's going to be fighting against them potentially for relegation for at least half a season. Yeah. 
And then you've got Arsenal versus Spurs. And yeah. if uh, and I think that's even though they're at home in that game, I think Spurs are gonna you know go if they've lost like, even one of those games against Burnley or Norwich. Spurs are just going to be like nom nom nom, especially if they're still yeah. top of the table and haven't lost a game at that point. Exactly. Um, no, that's just going to be, be crazy. When do you fire Arteta? Like, I don't think there's any question Arteta's going to be the first manager fired this season. Yeah. Or if he's not the first manager fired, Arsenal are getting relegated. Yeah, exactly. I guess. I guess it's that top. It could almost be that Tottenham game. Like, really, if they haven't turned things around and looked better after that Tottenham game, like, even if they win the two previous games, if they're not looking yeah, like a top team and then they go to Tottenham and lose that and look the same, like, you can't keep it. I know it's only, what, it'd only be the beginning of October and it's a crazy time to be even thinking about it, but... It's it doesn't like... even get much easier for Arsenal after that. In October, they have Brighton and Hove Albion, who beat them twice last season. So Brighton yeah. did the double against them. They've got a London derby against Crystal Palace. Yeah. Um, they've got uh, Aston Villa at home. And I think Aston Villa are going to be a good side this season. They've bought good players and they look like they're well set up. And then they've got Leicester, who yeah. we agree is a top four team, like you know, competing yeah, for yeah. a top four, or at least bare minimum a top five team. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so it does not look good for Arsenal looking up till like because some people online have been saying things like, you know, give them till no- the end of November when they're playing Newcastle. <laughs> but I'm like, can you even afford to do that? Like they're playing Watford, which is once again relegation six pointer in November and then yeah. Liverpool. Do we expect them to beat Liverpool at away? I don't. I don't. Not at the moment. And then uh, Newcastle at home. I can't even imagine them doing it. Yeah. And Newcastle at home, like, yeah, Newcastle might treat that as a you know potential relegation six pointer if Newcastle are a team that's you know looking like they might get relegated. And after that, they travel to Old Trafford. So yeah, yeah, there's some tough times for Arsenal coming up. Yeah, no, as you say, it's they do not have. If they're looking this bad, it's only going to get worse and worse. Like, they don't have the luxury of time. There's, I don't no. think there's a lot of give them X number, you know, or wait till the end of November to see how things are settling in. Like, no, if it's not working in the next three or four games, you're going to have to cut your losses. Their, their silly season games are basically Leeds, Norwich, Wolves, and Manchester City. Yeah. Like, in a regular season, you'd go, oh, yeah, maybe Arsenal will win those first three games. And then, like, you know, they'll be in a good position to try and beat City at home. But we're like, no, that's going to be really tough now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's a, I, I do think, I don't think Arsenal will be relegated. I think Arsenal are in the position Chelsea were in the season Leicester won. Where yeah. I think I'm not being unkind when I say Chelsea were threatening relegation at the beginning of the season until Gossidink came in and like steadied the ship. Yeah, yeah, no. Because well, the players were just not buying what Mourinho was selling. No, exactly. It was I don't know if relegation was seriously a problem, but yeah, it was not gonna look pretty. If you kept Mourinho that season and not fired him, you would have been relegated. That's not unfair. To say, I think. Oh, is it? 
I would have thought 15th or 16th would have been where we ended. Maybe 17th, they say. Close to relegation, but I don't know if we're quite... It would have fallen I, that far. Uh, yeah, maybe the players would have just had too much pride to let themselves be relegated. Because there's still like a bit of pride in a lot of those Chelsea yeah. players. Do you see that pride in these Arsenal players? Maybe when uh, Mesut Ozil was there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe when you had uh, players like Fabregas and, you know, Aaron Ramsey. But, you know, they're not there. No, this is all, this is ages back. This now, yeah. So. Like, like yeah, right. do you think Aubameyang is, looked like he can't be arsed at the moment? Lacazette looks like he can't be arsed. Most of them look like they can't be arsed. And like, those are the two best trying. players in that side, right? Yeah, yeah. Kieran Tierney aside, who looks like he's trying his best, and Emil Smith Rowe. But other than those two, and if you know that you just hold up their left end, left hand side, and attack them, you're going to beat Arsenal. Every team can do that. Norwich yeah, yeah, can exactly. do that. Watford can do that. Brentford did that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I don't know where yeah. Arsenal's going. Like. It's rough for Arsenal, like, but then who do who do they get? Even if they fire Arteta, which manager is willing to go to Arsenal? It's the most poisonous job in world football. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who you get. Like, would Mourinho go to Arsenal? Maybe. Maybe. He might. He might have the um. Like, but the like, for it. but the thing is, he's doing well at Roma now. So yeah, yeah. why? If yeah. Like, but at least he has still got some stature, and like you know, so the yeah. players would respect him. Rafa Benitez was probably the perfect guy for Arsenal to get. Yeah, but Actually, they didn't. Yeah. They they took Arteta, and yeah. uh, Benitez was available when they took Arteta. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, that's just I don't know. You know, I mean, like, they didn't even, like, okay, maybe you could get Eddie Howe, but would Eddie Howe go to Arsenal now? Like, Eddie Howe decided he didn't want to go to uh, to Celtic, and Celtic are, they're in shambles too at the moment, but they're a lot better off than Arsenal. Yeah, that's okay? a good point. Celtic might finish third, and that's going to be a crisis. Yeah, yeah. For the boys, that's a that's terrible result, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you and turn you, down Celtic, and the, like, that fan base is Arsenal. nowhere near as terrible as Arsenal's fan base. Okay, there is other issues with the be, uh, being the fan base of the old firm, you know, clubs, and like I'm not getting into that now, and like everybody yeah, yeah, who knows yeah. about football knows about that, but yeah, you know, I'm like ignoring that. Like you know, being a Celtic manager is nowhere near as terrible as being an Arsenal manager. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like they have to ask Arsene Wenger to come out of retirement. And you know what? I feel like they will. And I feel yeah. like Arsene Wenger will say yes. And I'll just be like, dude, Arsene, don't, don't do don't it, man. It. You've don't done it. Me. You deserve to retire and enjoy, you know, look at the sunset, enjoy a glass of wine with Alex Ferguson. Like, you've done enough for football. You know, yeah. our fa- the fans, you've given the fans so much. Like you've, and you've given Arsenal so much. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Arsenal right. have no right to ask you for more than what you've already given them. That's the thing, is that Arsenal have no right to ask. You just feel that if they can't keep Arteta, they will ask him, but you say there's basically no one else. They'll ask him for the season, and then maybe take, peg or him. take your manager for a season to keep them from getting relegated, and he'll do it. 
But then Arsenal well. won't fix anything next season, and they'll be no. back to where they were. Yeah. Well, they'll and... fix it by like getting Mourinho or something, and that might work for a season, and then it will be a absolute hilarious um, shit show. Like. Yeah. I love Mourinho, and... but I want him to go to Arsenal now just to see how much fun that would be, because it would just. That will be ridiculous. Yeah. Like the drama alone, but I think Mourinho's yeah. too smart to do that. Yeah, I think so too. I like think. I think going to Arsenal is a step too far. I know he went to Spurs after he said that he didn't want to dishonor Chelsea, but this, that was in 2008 that he chose not to go to Spurs. But you know, after Chelsea has fired him twice, it's yeah. fair enough that he went. Okay, like I can go to Spurs now. It's like when <laughs> you you know, if your girlfriend, if this girl you've be, had a long term relationship with you has you know broken up with you twice. After you've been married and gotten divorced and had kids, it's okay that you date their cousin or their best friend after. Like, you know, like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's done with you at that point. Yeah, like, we, it didn't work. We tried it again. Worked for a bit, then the old problems came back. Okay, we could officially say this is not working. Yeah. Like, it's not a relationship that's going anywhere. So it's, we can see other people and they can be. Yeah, but, you know, if, if after not working out with. With the sister, you go with for another sister. It's like, no, bro, this family isn't working for you. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, there's definitely something about this 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 family. It's just it's not for you. Just yeah, move on. There's plenty of yeah. There's like, I I rate I still think he's a great manager, but I think his style now really suits Syria or League One. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think English clubs have just too many big name players. Like every club, mm-hmm. they have too much money, and they're you know it's uh it's very too competitive, almost. Yeah, and and too many good managers, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the good managers is is so much the problem, but it's definitely the the difference in players. No, I mean, that. for like, let me reclarify that. Like, if he yeah. were to go to an English club now, he would not have the resources that all the other managers of his caliber have. Oh yeah, he won't be able to compete with them. Not because he's not as good as them, but it's because, you know, two equal forces, whoever has the more resources will generally beat the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time. I was more thinking about why Mourinho would fail in, in any club. Yeah. Because, even if he was given more resources, because his managerial style doesn't suit English players anymore. Like That too. Yeah. It, it is, he's the personality any, of a club. And yeah. but he does it a bit to shield the players. Like he's he's trying to be like he'll take on uh, most people criticize players every now and then. Generally, he'll take it on himself. I think it's one thing if you did that and it's fine. But if once you start criticizing players publicly, it becomes yeah. very different. Like Alex Ferguson almost never did that in his career. Yeah. Mourinho started <laughs> yeah. do, started doing it more towards the end. He would criticize and... the board and all the rest earlier on, but and criticize not having the right players. Um, and even Arsene Wenger has, I think, as much as we know he does do the hairdryer treatment, he doesn't yeah. publicly criticize players, almost to a yeah. fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I struggle to think of Guardiola or uh, Klopp doing it. Guardiola just gets rid of you. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't no, get me it's... wrong, Guardiola's ruthless, and he obviously yeah. has a big ego and all that. And like, he's not... 
Like, I feel like Thomas Tuchel is a bit more of a, you know, I'll do what works. And Rafa Benitez is, I'll do what works. He do, you know, they don't have, to, they don't need to play a style, you know? Yeah. yeah. They're very flexible managers. Uh, whereas, like, you know, Guardiola will just drop you. Whereas, I don't think Benitez is a bit like that. Or Tuchel, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but at that kind of worked to his detriment at PSG. After you know he got them to the Champions League final the season after that, the players kind of stopped buying in, which I don't understand at all. Yeah, no, that's crazy. But but PSG's loss is Chelsea's gain, so yeah, no exactly. There, right? <laughs> yeah, like oh well, for PSG, I guess. And that's the thing when Tuchel was av- Tuchel was available as well when they hired Arteta. <laughs> you make a point. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh. Oh, Arsenal. To be fair to Arteta, I think he did a good job towards the end of last season to manage to get Arsenal all the way up to eight. Yeah. I think that was a credible performance. And he did manage to get them to an FA Cup. What happened to Roberto Di Matteo at Chelsea, right? He got them a Champions League, but the season after that, you know, yeah, the yeah. players were just like, yeah, actually, you're not that good a manager. And, you know. That was, yeah. Di Matteo was just a caretaker manager. Taken over a squad and almost, for him it was almost pure luck that he managed it. So I mean, we had a good enough team. To be fair, now that I think really about it, Chelsea it, yeah. did also have Avram Grant, who was a successful team. attacking manager at Chelsea. Sure, he came second, but he got you guys to your first Champions League final, and he came very close to winning in his first year, very close to getting the double at Chelsea in his first year. So very, very, very credible. Taking somebody yeah. else's team, but still like getting them to be play in his style and whatnot in a completely different style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing, actually. Do we want to talk a bit about AS Roma since we've been talking about Mourinho? We did talk about uh, so AS Roma at the moment, looking at the Serie A, they have won both their games they've played this season. So so far, yeah. perfect. perfect. And goal, goal perfect difference start. of six, so definitely very credible there. I mean, I suppose the top five have all one played two one two. Yeah, Syria did start like a uh, a week later from everybody else. Mourinho celebrated with pizza. Like I, I can't even imagine what a mellow Mourinho is like. I know. I off. I half almost don't want Mourinho to get back into management just because he's always such a good uh, analyst. Yeah, like, yeah. you can listen to him talk about football for hours. He just has so many interesting takes. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. He's one of the best, I think, uh, commentators. There are, like, commenters on the game. There is, like, if Mor- Jose Mourinho, if he wasn't managing and he had a football blog and where they talk about football, I would listen to that religiously. Oh, definitely. So, but yeah, so his next game is against Sassuolo, which is going to be a tough one. Sassuolo, I think, came fifth last season, um, I want to say. Yeah, and they have a very decent side. Um, then they're going to play CSK Sofia at home for the Europa Conference League. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to play Hellas Verona away, which is also a tough game. Yeah, that's quite tough. And then Udinese, which is at Ooh. home, which... Udinese are always there or thereabouts, I think. Yeah, yeah. And finally, the Roma derby against Lazio on September 27th. 
Uh, I am so looking forward to that game. I think that's where we're going to see what Mourinho's, like, you know, how he's going to... That's when I think we're going to see some peak Mourinho behavior coming out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That could be very good. And I think the next one, next date that I think we need to mark on the calendar is October 18th when they play Juve um, away. Oh, yeah. So those are going to be two incredible games, in my opinion. Yeah, those should be pretty good, I would say. Um, I can imagine they could, you could have some fireworks around that, especially in the in the lead up. You say if you might get some peak Mourinho getting into there. If, if there's going to be some good ones, that if it's if he's going to pull out the classics, they'll be yeah yeah be the ones where they're coming from. So, but um, I see because they got Tammy Abraham, so that was um yeah yeah. Some good work I think Roma there. have put themselves in a very good position to finish in the top four. I I I mm. think I would not be surprised if Roma and Lazio and Inter fight it out for the top spot this season because I think AC Milan yeah. have sold too many. I think to be fair, I think Inter have also sold a lot of key players in their squad, um, and they don't have Conte anymore. Um, yeah. But I feel like there's something in that team that's still potentially there for them to be competitive. But yeah, Mourinho with Roma, and I think Lazio are looking like it. It would be how cool would it be? Just it would be almost like you know, it's twenty, it's the year two thousand again. We're twenty years old again, <laughs> and it's like the top Rome clubs that are competing for Syria now. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy, actually. Yeah. Um yeah, so like I'm just thinking about it. The last time Roma won Syria, they had players like Hideyoshi Nakata, um obviously Francesco Totti. Mm. So yeah, yeah, like some names that bring you back and you're like, "Oh yeah, football yeah. manager when we used to buy those players." <laughs> yeah, those good times. <laughs> Because that's exactly where our head is going when we think about those players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same place. Uh, and Lazio but... had players like Hernan Crespo, who Chelsea did oh, yeah. buy like a football manager by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that wasn't um, football managers. It didn't really work out as well as it could have. But... Now, do we want to go to our final section, which is the Champions League? group stages and the draw let's quickly do that so group a which looks incredibly competitive club bruges manchester city paris saint-germain and rb leipzig um obviously city and psg are the favorites to go ahead in this group but i think they both have tough fixtures in leipzig and bruges but i feel like bruges are gonna finish bottom and leipzig will go for the Europa slot, finishing third. Yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty harsh on Leipzig. They're not a bad team. But... That's PSG easier. with Messi and City is yeah, City. Exactly, like, they're not going to get out of that. But it who's going to finish enough. top here? City or PSG? Ooh, that's going to be tough. Right. I want to say PSG. Um... But City is City. But I still think, yeah, I still think PSG with and Messi. Like Pochettino had his had had Pochettino has been able to beat Guardiola in the past more yeah. than a few times. Yeah. So yeah, I'd go PSG top there. I mean, they'll have 
Mbappe and Messi. So, yeah. Just yeah. And Neymar. Like. And Neymar, obviously. Sorry. So that's uh, that's going to be a killer front three. Yes. And following on from that, Group B, we have Atletico Madrid, the current uh, La Liga champions, mm-hmm. and potentially favourites to be this season's La Liga champions. Yeah. Um, my uh, hot take for this season uh, <laughs> when it comes to La Liga, um, FC Porto, Liverpool, and AC Milan. Wow. So this is a group where almost every team has won the UEFA Champions League or uh, or European Cup before. In fact, all uh, Porto, Liverpool, and AC Milan have won the Champions League before in the Champions yeah. League format. At- Atletico Madrid-, Madrid have not, but they've won multiple Europa and UEFA. Uh, made it to uh, a final, so... Yeah, and they've made it to a final. So, um, that tough, being said, I think AC group. Milan and Porto are probably fighting for that third place spot. And I wouldn't be surprised mm. if Porto finished third there. Um, Liverpool, it's tough, I think, to play Atletico Madrid. Uh, Diego Simeone is just such a good manager, and yeah, the yeah. club he's been there forever. And the yeah. club know they know how to. He knows how to run the team, and run, you know, he's basically the club. It's yeah, built exactly. around his image. To be fair, you could say the same about Klopp. But, yeah. you know, Atleti have Suarez and Costa yeah. up front. So there's going to be... Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. I kid, uh, I'm going to just go edge it out and say Atletico will finish top in that group. But Liverpool will finish second. Yeah, I'll go with that as well. I think... A little bit that's just, and it's only three games, but based on the first three games at Liverpool, even though they haven't lost, um, you know, I think Atletico maybe just have that little bit of an edge, and so therefore yeah. take take the, the top spot just from Liverpool. So, yep. Porto, Milan, 3-4 that way, I guess. But it's still a historically tough group, that. And like I can see both Porto and Milan putting in very tough fights. Um, because, you know, they've both got history. They both want to prove that they can do it again. So it'll be tough games all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, Group C, very competitive. Doesn't <laughs> other... It's got two cl- uh, two clubs that have won the Champions League before. One of them, one of the most decorated clubs in the, in the history of the Champions of this tournament, Ajax. Yeah. Uh, we've got Besiktas, who are always a hard, a hard team to play, especially at home. Uh, Borussia Dortmund and Sporting CP. Now, Sporting CP have some very troubling issues going around in the club. Though they've started well in the league and like are playing well, their president has been arrested for fraud, and his son has as well. All right. Okay. So there's some issues there. Uh, I believe Besiktas has been having some is- similar issues as well. Um, so while that's happening, though, both those teams have been playing well on the field. So it's not impacted the players yet. Um, Borussia Dortmund are always kind of competitive, I think. And Ajax Amsterdam are like always kind of competitive. I think any of these teams could win this Yeah, yeah. Group. I'm gonna. Th- I think Borussia Dortmund are gonna finish top here, and yeah, I feel yeah. like Ajax are just gonna be second. Yeah, I think that that seems to be where the smart money would go. Um, as you say, both Sporting CB and Ibisessis. Um, could they've been playing well, so it could 
upset here and there, but I think Dortmund then Ajax. That seems yeah. most likely. But yeah, I think though Sporting will finish third over Besiktas yeah. in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, next, we have a group with Real Madrid, Internacional, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Sheriff Tiraspol. Very quickly, Adam, without looking at Google, do you know which country Sheriff Tiraspol hail from? Uh, no, I was about to Google it. <laughs> I will give you a clue. It is the country where the Numa Numa song originates from. <laughs> oh dear. Moldavia, eh? It's good. Moldovia. Yeah. As I say, so I believe I... if you're being technical, they're from a breakaway republic of Moldovia called Transnistria. Right. Um, but that's as much as I know about this club. Um, I think I've, it's amazing that they've managed to get this far. Great achievement um, and a great moment for Moldovan football, but I don't see them progressing. Mm. Um, I think Internazionale, given they have such a tough Serie A schedule and they've sold a lot of their good players, I think Shakhtar are a very strong team. Um, very difficult to beat at home, and I think they're going to be competitive away as well. So I'm, I am going to pick Shakhtar to finish second, and I think Real Madrid easily top this group, like, without breaking a sweat. Yeah, yeah, easy. I know, I, I, I might put Inter still at second. Um, the Italian teams, whilst oh. not as great as they once were, seem to do better in the Champions League than um, you might think sometimes. So I think they'll just, just scrape through it at second. Now... I just realized I made a mistake. It's not Sporting CP that had their um, president get uh, arrested for fraud. Uh, it's actually Benefica because <laughs> they're called Sporting Club Benefica. So I All mixed right. that up as well. Uh, but I still think Sporting are going to finish third in Group C. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, that being said, Group E, because uh, I just looked at Benefica and went, hey, I actually got that the other way around, didn't I? <laughs> Um, so Barcelona, Benfica, Dinamo Kiev, Bayern Munich. An incredibly difficult group. Once again, three clubs here that have won this tournament before. Yeah. Um, Benfica being the first club to ever beat Real Madrid in this tournament. Sorry, no. Yeah. They they beat Real uh they were the first team to win the tournament that wasn't Real Madrid. All right. Yes. They beat Barcelona in the finals. Barcelona beat Real Madrid in the semis. All right. <laughs> First time Real Madrid lost in over two legs in uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, in the tournament. Uh, this is back in the day when it was all knockout, no group stages, of course. Of course. Um, but yes, Barcelona, Benfica, Dinamo Kiev, Bayern Munich. Okay. First off, Bayern Munich are finishing top, right? We all agree with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's. Uh, Nagelsmann, even though he's that's his first time managing Bayern, I think he's going to do at least that. Barcelona is such a shambles, but they have competed reasonably well in the league. They still have Aguero yeah, and Memphis. So I still think they're going to finish second. Um, it's tough to pick between Dinamo Kiev and Benfica. Um, I think mm. given the problems that I just mentioned uh, ben- at Benfica, which I mistakenly attributed to sporting uh i think dinamo kiev are going to finish third and get into that europa uh europa league spot from there yeah i think i'd agree with all that i think you're right with the troubles benfica are having that is going to impact at some point 
So yeah, Dynamo Kiev in the third spot. You say with Bayern first, Barcelona second. Yeah. That's because Barcelona completely imploded for some reason. But yeah, but I don't expect say, them to at the moment. No, you say they've still got some good class in the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Group F, we have Atalanta, Manchester United, Villarreal, and Young Boys. Now, this is an incredibly tough group. I think any of those, the top three, Atalanta, Manchester United, Villarreal, can finish top. I am, of course, picking Manchester United to finish top because we have Cristiano Ronaldo and he just scores goals for fun in the Champions League. But Villarreal have the wood on Manchester United in recent times and also for, you know, uh, long, uh, I think, throughout history as well. Atalanta are just a tough team, I think, to beat. They just play this really interesting and um, organized style of football. Um, And Young Boys is not an easy team. Like, young boys, I feel like, could be kingmakers in this thing. Without necessarily finishing third, they could yeah. decide the positions above them. And they might even sneak up to a third spot, depending on how badly one of the teams might, you know, start having a run of results. Yeah, know what you mean. Not like, you know, they, just, they get a win or two, win and a draw, and, a, and they may be, um, yeah. be pushing there. But I think, right, Man United, to me, that's the top team. And then it's a toss-up between Atlantia and Villarreal. Yeah. Probably Villarreal to me. Um, yeah, but... I agree. I think Manchester United, Villarreal, and then maybe Atalanta finish third. Yeah. That yeah. Europa spot. But I wouldn't be surprised if Man United finished third in this group. Saying that. Yeah. I'd be a little bit surprised, but not shocked, I guess, is what you're saying. Right. Like, you're like, oh, that's surprising. But yeah, it was, it was, a, tough, it was a reasonably tough group. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of bad results, and it's it's going to be very yeah. hard. Yeah. Following on from that, we go to Group G, where we have FC Salzburg, Lille, Sevilla, and Wolfsburg. Very competitive group. Lille managing yeah. to beat PSG, but basically had a bunch of their players sold, and they're in severe economic problems at the moment. That being said, they do still have a good core of players, and I think they're good enough to finish in the top two. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Lille and Sevilla are going to finish top, just because they always do really well in Europe. And this is a group where they can beat all the other teams. At least at home, they're going to be tough to beat. Um, yeah. Between Salzburg and Wolfsburg, um, I think Wolfsburg are just going to edge it out over Salzburg, get that third place spot. So we're only going to have one Red Bull team in the... <laughs> Though, to be fair, Salzburg are the only Red Bull team because the RB in Leipzig stands for uh, Lawn Bulls. Yeah, exactly. Rossenbollen. <laughs> oh, Rossenbollen. Um, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, Sevilla top, Lille second. And then toss-up in News Wolfsburg or Salzburg about third and fourth. I might put Salzburg above Wolfsburg, but... That's only be slightly different to you. Yeah, fair enough. Next up, the last but certainly not least, Group H, where we have Chelsea, Juventus, Malmo, and Zenit St. Petersburg. Um, I think this is a pretty straightforward group. I think Chelsea finishes top. Juve second, just because I think they've lost Cristiano Ronaldo. And they still have problems with their, you know, manager and all these other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
we've got Zenit are always competitive, and I think they're just a bit too much class for Malmo. Good effort for Malmo to get as far as they have, though. Yeah. Um, but I don't see them um, going any further. No, I think I agree with you. That seems to be the most likely ending. But yeah, it's a nice, just a easier way through it. I mean, Juventus is not an easy beat, but as you say, Ronaldo's moved on, having other issues, you know, not going to be the, the Juve of even just the previous season. So. Yeah, and this Juve actually has competition in Syria. They can't just be like, yeah, we go on autopilot in Syria and focus on Europe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a bit of travelling around, but other than that. And Zenit yeah. is looking pretty good at the moment. They're top of the um, Russian league, so... Yeah. Not necessarily the easiest trip. No. We've done it before, so... I agree. I think Zenit are going to be tough at home, but I don't see them winning at Turin against Juventus or at Samford Bridge. No. And I think even at Malmo, it's going to be tough for them, but I think... Even if they get a draw and a win over Malmo, that's going to be enough for third. Because I don't think Malmo are going to beat Juve or Chelsea or even manage a draw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's our run-up of the Champions League. Time will show how badly wrong we were. <laughs> Hopefully not too badly, but with our track record, probably horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, I think though that's all we have time for. Um, yep. uh, look forward to talking to you or hear, uh, having you all listen to us next time. Catch you next time. <laughs>